I'm not pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work coronavirus edition. Okay, so I've been meeting uh, and talking with people about sets of Magic's past. Uh, so today I have Michael Ryan. We're going to talk about making the story for the set Tempest. Hey, Michael. Good morning. Okay, so uh, a lot of times when we're talking about sets, uh, when I'm talking about sets with people, we're talking about the mechanics. But this one's a little different. Today, uh, you and I were responsible for at least the beginning of the Weatherlight story, and we were responsible. I, I, I'd, li I'd like to not say responsible for. I'd like to say get the credit for. Get the credit get for. Get the credit for. Um, so Tempest, we did Tempest. So I want to I sort of walk through what we had done and what the set was and how we, because we had to sort of make some changes to adapt to the set. So I, I want to sort of talk through that. So first to start with, we had, we had pitched a three-year story. So let's talk a little bit about, like, what, where, when we walked into Tempest, where were we in, in the larger story? So in, I'm, I'm sure that most people who have done any writing are familiar with the three-act structure. I say anybody who's done any writing is familiar with the three-act structure, but if you don't write, you may wonder what that is. Well, a three-act structure is you have three parts to a play, generally speaking, and each part has a climactic moment. Uh, something happens at the end of each act that defines we've moved into the next act. At the end of the first act, you've pretty much said, okay, this is the hero's goal. The hero now knows what he or she is trying to accomplish. At the end of the second act, you have a sort of an all is lost moment where, oh gosh, I can't believe all this thing has gone against us and all these complications happened in the second act. And the, the turning point of the second act drives the hero toward the conclusion of success or or failure. So our original thought was that we would do nine segments, a three-year, you know, one big expansion, two small expansions each year, and that it would be this massive three-act structure, and within three each of the three-act structures would be three-act structures for each of the three parts. So uh, we, we had this massive board a white board in one of the conference rooms that was filled with, well, here's a character, and then we do this character, and then we bring this character in, and then here's these 15 other characters we'll bring in, because that's the way you and I think, is in terms of dozens of characters all at the same time. So Tempest was supposed to be the, the launch, the first part uh, of a three-act structure that combined would be act one of a bigger three-act structure. Right, so in a lot of ways, if you think of like trilogies, it's very common to have trilogies, um, in movies and stuff. And the idea is each movie, or in our case, each block, is its own story. It has a three-act structure, uh, neatly broken into three parts because the block had three sets. And then that, each of those fit into a larger story that has a three-act structure. Um, now, the interesting thing is we pitched this as nine sets, but um, they were so excited that uh, Weatherlight, the set before Tempest, were like, well, we got to start in Weatherlight. And we're like, but we're telling a three-act story. So we did kind of the... the a prologue. A prologue, a prologue. In, in Weatherlight. Sort of yeah, which, setting up the story. Which just laid the foundation for everything that was coming in Tempest. It, it put Gerard in, a, in the story, our main hero, who's looking for his former captain, Sisse, uh, who was kidnapped off the Weatherlight. It was all designed to bring Gerard out of hiding. Uh, from where he had sort of abandoned his his uh, heroic status and his long-term goals to sort of go about an ordinary life of a pirate kind of guy. And they needed him back. And the, the legacy, this collection of artifacts, was at the center of forcing him out. Uh, and, and kidnapping his friend was designed to make him 
basically come to the bad guys. Right. What? So, real quick, just some, some background so we can explain what's going on in the story. Um, Gerard is born, and the supposedly he's there, there's this thing called the legacy, and that he and the legacy play this vital role, and they will it will save the day, and he is actually given away uh, to. Um, Sadar Kondo, uh, uh, a leader off in Jamora, to raise because they want to hide him out because the bad guys want to get him and want to get the legacy. And so his whole life, he's supposed to be, he has all this responsibility. And at some point he just leaves and goes, I'm not doing this. I never asked for this. And that's where the story starts in, in the prologue is Gerard is, he, Gerard had previously been on the weatherlight and like he had start trying to embrace it and then things went horribly wrong. His, one of his really good friends gets killed. Um, El, El, not Eldamri. Um, uh, the elf. Uh, I'm blanking his name. Raphelos. Raphelos. Raphelos and um, Miri and him were all trained under Multani and were very good friends. So anyway, so the beginning of of Tempest is the ship enters into Wrath. Uh, has been kidnapped. They learn that she's been kidnapped by Volrath in, in, in the world of Wrath. And they have to go rescue her. So the, st- the so the connection there, right? I just want to make sure that nobody misses that connection. Yeah, Volrath <laughs> is a wrath. Just to be sure, wrath <laughs> with an R, but it sounds like wrath with a W. You see, you know who the bad guys are, right? Yeah. Want to be clear? Yeah. The funny thing is the the bad guy. His his real name is Vool. And so he is Vool of Wrath, which is where Volrath comes for those that care that Volrath yeah, comes from. We, we, have, we have logic behind all this. <laughs> um, okay, so the Tempest, the start of the story is they arrive on in Wrath. They, so all of Tempest was going to take place on Wrath, this new world, because we, magic, for some reason, we spent all this time and we rarely ever left Dominari. We're like, we have the whole multiverse, let's go somewhere. So Let's go places, let's go places. Um, right. So right, the story starts with them going to Wrath and it ends on them... Uh, getting to the stronghold, which is where Sisse is being held. And so we had to sort of enter Wrath and make an interesting enough story that it could end with them getting to the stronghold. So one of the first things that you come up with, obviously, is that if your good guys have a flying ship that pretty much lets them fly above all your villains, you probably need to make sure that the bad guys can have a flying ship too, or something comparable. And so they had a flying ship. Uh, They had the Predator. The Predator is is Volras sort of uh, counterbalance to the weather line. And he sends it out. He sends it out right away because that's what you do. You want to start with a big fight. That That's the hook, right? Right. So this was act one. So real quickly, a, a little story structure thing. Uh, this is act one in the, 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 the Tempest block is telling the story. This is the first act. And in the first act, uh, what has to happen really early in the story is your hero gets their butt handed to them because you need to set up what's going on, right? Like, in order for them to save the day and be triumphant in the end, they kind of have to lose early on. That's important. Right, right. And so they get attacked. They, they show up. They don't know that anybody's waiting for them. But the, one of the characters on board the Weatherlight, a fellow named Krovax, has a link to a, to a bad guy. They're, they have a history. And because they have a link, sort of a, a, a link between planes that tells them where each other is, the bad guy's ship is able to find the good guy's ship really fast uh, and promptly attacks them. They didn't expect it. Boom. They get attacked right away. And that's the start of our story. We wanted to start with a bang, right? Like the end of Weatherlight was and they, they leave Dominaria to go to Wrath. And the beginning of the Tempest story is they arrive in Wrath and get attacked immediately. Immediately. 
And then you go for the next, the next logical thing. You've seen this in everything you've ever read. You, you, anything you've ever seen. In Lord of the Rings, they all get together and then two of them go, all right, well, we're leaving. We're going this way. We're going to go take care of them. You split your heroes out. You get Luke and Han and Leia on the Death Star. You split them up. You get your good guys in a really tight bind and then you screw them by taking them away from each other. So as soon as they get attacked, people are falling off the ship. People are, are, the ship is wounded and it's sinking and everybody goes, they get scattered to the four winds. Right. So, so for example, this, we're trying to set up the story. So, um, Volrath, the main bad guy, does not show up here. He sends his, his, uh, main, I don't know what to call him, but his, his right hand man, a guy, right, a yeah. guy named, uh, Grevenilvek. Um, oh, by the way, so the, this set has six legendary creatures in it, um, which by modern standards does not seem like a lot. Um, but all of these characters show up in the story. So when they show up, I'll mention them. Uh, Grevin is a card in the set. Um, one of the things that Michael and I talked a lot about is with villains, usually you have the main villain and you have a secondary villain. And the kind of rule is if your main villain is a brainy villain, the sidekick is a muscly villain. And if the main villain's more muscly, your sidekick is brainy. So like usually you have brains and brawns between the two of them. Volrath was a smart, like, Volrath was more smart, so that meant Grevin had to be muscle, right? He had to be really strong. Brute, brute force, brute force. And since that's his thing, right, brute force, um, we wanted him to fight Gerard right away, right? We wanted, here's here's the second the second bad guy, and we want to have this big dramatic thing, so uh, now do they attack the ship, but Grevin just jumps on the ship right away and fights Gerard. Like, this happens right off, out of the bat. And well, Gerard's not a bad fighter. I mean, Grevin's really, really good, right? Um, so, the other, so the other thing you want to remember, too, is in addition to just stomping on Gerard, they also want to get the legacy. The legacy is all these parts of, of Gerard's future history to have power. Right, they're artifacts and, that are on the ship. And, and he's got them with him, and the bad guys want him. Volrath wants the legacy, there's a long backstory to why he thinks he deserves it from when he was Vool, but he thinks this belongs to me. Grevin, while you're there, get my stuff. And so the Mogs all swarm the ship and they're carrying pieces away, and that includes Karn. Karn is part of the legacy. Right. And so we said we wanted to pull our heroes apart, right? We wanted to separate them. So what happens is there's a big fight that's going on. Meanwhile, the, the Mogs, which are the, the goblins that work for the bad guys, um, they they go through the ship and get all the legacy pieces, and including Karn. And Karn, by the way, won't fight back because Karn's a pacifist. Um, that's a whole story of, of Karn. But anyway, they take Karn and they take all the legacy and they take it back to their ship. Um, Tongarth, who's the first mate or whatever, the he, he's uh, the he's Minotaur. A, he's a Minotaur. He's a Minotaur. Um, he is not about to let this happen without him doing something. So he ends up jumping on the ship, um, which will take, has a, so Karn and Tongarth end up going with the ship. Um, with the, so that's part of the story. And then another, another big part of the story was how do we save our hero? Like he's losing to Grevin. Grevin's a better fighter than him. He, things are looking bad. So what you want in the story is some way to get your hero, like, we want to save him, we want him to die, but we also want it, we want to make it harder for him, right? We're trying to, this is the beginning of the story, you want to throw, one of the things they say is, uh, act one is get your protagonist up a tree. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, act two is you throw stones in, I believe is the, uh, 
And it gets um, worse, worse by the end of right. Act two. In Act Three, you get Mother Tree. So for those that don't know, um, so anyway, we came up with this really cool idea. What if there was a second command on the ship on the Predator to Grevin and that guy Vadil Dahl, who's also a card in the set, by the way. And Vadi was named after the code name for Tempest was Bogavadi, which is like this mythic land of poison snakes. Um, in like Indian mythology. And anyway, uh, we named him after the code name. But Vadi Eldal gets this wonderful idea of maybe if I fire upon the ship, I will dismantle the ship and eh, maybe kill Grevin. And then I'll be in charge. Because yeah, bad guys stab <laughs> each other in the back, right? So we also want to drop a hint from a story perspective. We want to drop a hint that well, if Vadi Ildal is willing to stab Grevin in the back, maybe Grevin will eventually be willing to stab Volrath in the back. And just as a side note, I want to note, every single time that we ever said Vadi Ildal out loud while we were working on this set, I kept thinking Vodio No. I, I, <laughs> I would mispronounce that name all the time and say, oh, we got this other guy, Vodio No. No, that's not it. Wait, wait, wait. I know his name. It was a hard name for me to live with. I just want to... I just want to oh, the other thing, real quickly, uh, something we built into the naming. So there are three different tribes that we built into the world. The Core, the Vec, and the Dal. Um, uh, the way... Rat, by the way, is an artificial plane. The, the, all these creatures were pulled in from other places. Um, so the Core, we later learned, were from Zendikar. Uh, the Vec and the Dal, we haven't met yet. So I don't know where the Vec and Dal came from. But anyway, uh, the naming convention was either you were in favor of the tribes, that you were with them, and then you were N, either Vec, N Vec, N Core, N Dal, or you were had been kicked out of the tribe, and, that, and then you were ill. So you were ill Vec, ill Dal, ill, ill Core. So Grevin El Vec was part of the Vec. Y'all thought we just made this stuff up at random, didn't you? No, there's logic. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on this. Uh, so, for example, Grevin Elvec once was part of the Vec clan and got kicked out. Vadil Dahl was part, part of the Dahl thing and got kicked out. Um, so, so what happens basically is Vadi fires on the ship and it knocks Gerard off the ship. Uh, in fact, we you, there, well, oh, one of the things that we did, by the way, so there's a if you want to go online and you if you in Google type Tempest Storyboard Magic, you will get to an article. What we did is we wrote an article in the Duelist that's now online that shows the entire story we're talking about card by card as it's pictured on the card. We pictured the vast majority of the story on cards, so you literally could put them in order and see them. So yeah, yes, and then there on the site. It'll give you the story as it goes along. It's not just the art. It'll tell you this is where you are in the story. And you'd be surprised at what, you know, what some of the characters look like. I mean, you probably don't have a vision in your head of Vadi Eldal, but he's got, he's got really wild hair. He's got sort of crazy eyes. It's totally worth going and taking a good long look at the story we constructed here visually. Um, another thing, by the way, so one of the things that happened is while Michael and I were writing the story, I was in charge, uh, along with my team, of making the set. And there were some mechanics that came about because they were just in the set. Uh, the two big mechanics were shadow and buyback. Uh, and then slivers were a big part of the set, too. Uh, we'll get to slivers in a second. But the reason I bring up shadow is um, this was an artificial plane. And so the idea was creatures had been pulled from other places. The core of the Vec and the Dal kind of made it there. But there were the Thalicos, the Douthi, and the Sultari. And they didn't quite make it there. They were stuck in between uh, and so they were trapped in the, they were the shadow creatures. They were trapped in the shadow realm. And so they were kind of there, but not, so part of making the story was making sure we explained what was going on mechanically in the set. 
And then part of it was I also made sure that we I made cards out of the store, like all these characters we're talking about. We made sure we made cards out of them. And uh, we wanted to show the story, so we made sure we found places. We were, uh, Pete Venters was the art director, or not the art director, the continuity director. And we worked with Pete to make sure that you know, all the things were assigned correctly so that you could see the story through the cards. So we've we've pushed our hero off the, the ship. He's plummeted down into the Sky Shroud Forest down below. We've got the crew in a crippled ship trying to find some place to land it and fix it. We've got our Minotaur Tongars on the bad guy's ship hiding so nobody knows he's there. We've got Karn. Uh, also taken away. Karn is a pacifist, and so he won't kill anybody, and so he won't really defend himself because he doesn't want to accidentally hurt anybody. And so everybody is scattered uh, across across the the terrain now. So we start now. Now we've separated them all. The objective is to bring them all back together, but with an advancement of the story. Well, how, how does bringing them back together move the story forward? It's also worth noting, just as a, an aside, that Greven in the middle of the fight with Gerard, slashed him, put a scar on his face uh, in the middle of the fight, which is also a very classic sort of motif. Mark and I had read dozens <laughs> and dozens and dozens of stories to say, what do they all seem to have in common? What are the, what are the, what are the um, high points of each of those kinds of stories? And one of them is, is that you mark your hero. Your, your bad guy gives him a wound that says, I was here and... You know, Luke Skywalker loses his hand. Uh, and oh. in our case, our hero got a nasty scar on his face to say he'd been attacked. Yeah, we should talk about um, Joseph Campbell uh, is a, I'm sure he's a anthropologist. I mean, he taught, he's someone who studies stories. Um, and he wrote a very seminal book called The Power of Myth. And the idea is that there are certain stories that just humans tell again and again and again. They're just very resonant. Um, and so we mapped this story to, um, what's, what's the, the official name of it? Um, the return of the reluctant hero. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, there's a name, there's a name for this archetype. I think it's like the return of the reluctant hero. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the, and they so he also has a hero of a thousand faces. It was one of the, the main arcs. Yeah. Um, so part of what we were doing was we very much were trying to tell a very classic story. And so when Michael talks about, oh, he gets injured, like, there's a lot of pieces we're trying to do to really make it feel very resonant. Um, and a lot of the point of the, of the power of myth is there are certain stories that are kind of baked into the ethos of humanity. And that when you sort of tell these stories, they just resonate with people. Because on some level, the story we're telling, you've heard the story before. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Star Wars is based on the same story. Uh, the story of Moses is based on the same story. Like, it, it King is Arthur. just... King Arthur is based on the same yeah, story. Yeah, so... Lord of the Rings based on the same story. They're, they're, it's told a whole bunch of different ways with a whole bunch of different dressings. But in the end, it's the same story. Um, okay, so we land... So Gerard uh, falls out... Thanks to some magic and Selenia and a bunch of stuff. He's not... He doesn't die. Um... And the ship is damaged, and so we have we've created some problems now, right? The ship is damaged. Gerard, uh, you know, doesn't know how to get to, how to, how does he get to where he needs to go to rescue Sisse? He and the crew, and two of the crew are now taken away. So now they have to rescue Sisse. Now they got to rescue Karn and Tongarth as well as Sisse. Um, and so we added a lot of stuff. The other big thing about Act One is you need to sort of parallel Act Three, meaning you you have to figure out where your story is going and make sure you set all the things that are, are important in Act One. 
So that brings us to meeting Eladomri and the elves uh, of the Sky Shroud Forest. Which is where they all sort of rendezvous. They, they all you know they land the ship. Two of the characters go off. Hannah and Miri go off to try to look for Gerard because they lost him. Everybody's looking for everybody, and the elves sort of become the the centralized location where everybody finds each other again. And the the elven lord, the Lord of Leaves, um, their their leader is the one who brings them all into his port. They all find each other again. And I have to note because I've told this story so many times. <laughs> Mark and I were in charge of naming. We got to name stuff. Um, All the characters. But Eladomri was up for grabs. We have this this elven lord that gives Grant's forest walk, I think it was, to all all elves. And my stepdad had just started playing. And my mom was playing with him. And my mom is is not a gamer. <laughs> y'all, y'all have somebody in your family who says they'll play with you and you think I should have asked, you know, my, my niece to play with me. This is awful. Well, my mom was trying to be a good sport. And so we named Eladomri after my stepdad and my mom. Uh, they are Dale and Irma. So if you read Eladomri backwards, it says Irma Dale. It just goes the other direction. So the original piece of art, if you've ever seen the piece of art, which is, which is a beauty is hanging on my mom's, my mom's wall now because when the set came out and Herman Dale found out it was named after him, they just they just had to have it. Yeah, it's by an artist named Ron Chirona. It's a very nice piece. Ron yeah, Ron was a, was really funny. He did a couple of other pieces. I think I picked up one of his other pieces later on. He's, he's a great artist. I picked up uh, Reap. I think I have Reap hanging on the wall. So the elves bring everybody back together and explain. There's a there's a among them it, it, there was an uh, an oracle who said, who knew who Gerard was, or thought she knew who Gerard was at least, and said, oh, you're the guy we've been waiting for. You are this, this prophesized guy named the, the Cor, is it Coriel Vecmark? Corvec Dahl. Corvec Dahl, Corvec Dahl. The Corvec Dahl, you're this prophesized hero, and you're going to bring these tribes together, the Vex and the, the Cores and the Dolls. And Gerard was like, yeah, okay, I still need to find Sisse and the Stronghold, and you know what? I don't have time for this prophecy stuff, so I got to get on with business. So let, can we talk real quickly? Um, prophecies are an important part of stories. Like, the, 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 once again, we're playing in, in, in space. The idea of Gerard being destined for something, and he already he was already had a different destiny to deal with because he was supposed to be uh, the leader of a legacy and stuff. And so it's kind of funny that there's a, there's a different uh, thing that they tie him to. And they, uh, the Corvette doll was supposed to bring all three tribes together and the Oracle Invec uh, is a card in the set. Um, the reason it's not legendary is when, when one Oracle Invec dies, another one takes their place. So it, it's a role rather than a specific person. Although when we talk about Oracle Invec, Oracle Invec it is one person right now. Um, and she believes that he's the Corvec doll. Um, and in our, the story changed a little bit from what we had originally pitched. So our third act of this story was different than the third act as it actually ended up. Um, we stopped. We stopped being involved in the story really before the third, the third set of uh, Exodus in this case. So in our version of the story, the elves were going to save the day. They were going to defeat and overrun. So he was the Corvette doll in our version of the story. He kind of doesn't. He's not really in the story that it ended up being. Um, yeah, we, we we wanted the prophecy to be right. That's why we told you there was a prophecy. <laughs> and yes. the trick is for Gerard to actually own it. Right. Yeah, say, usually, okay, usually in Act One, when you say there's a prophecy, in Act Three, the prophecy comes true. That's, That's usually Act <laughs> Three. You know that old, that old uh, uh, 
uh, Oscar Wilde thing where if there's a gun in the first act, it needs to go off in the third act. <laughs> third act. We knew that. And so we put a prophecy in act one. We know we got to pay it off. Uh, we had a plan. Yeah, we have, we have a lot of Chekhov's guns in the story where we, we show you something and then it comes back to, to be paid off later on. Um, later on. Right. In fact, so um, so part of this is, we, we by the way, we, when Gerard first shows up, he has to fight the merfolk because we had to show you the merfolk were there. Uh, and then the elves are kind of the the good guys here that are the the rebel the rebels of the story, if you will, right? The, there, there's Wrath is run by Volrath. He's an evil guy. He has all the evil forces. We need somebody who's fighting against him. So the, the the elves were the rebels in our case, and so they they come up with a plan. They all meet, and the plan is that Gerard. Um, they inform Gerard that there's a back way into the castle. Now it's really dangerous. You have to go through the Furnace of Wrath and the Death Pits of Wrath. And that, like, it's very dangerous, but it's a back way in. And the idea is that they were going to sneak in the back way while the, all the elves and other people charge and attack on the front. That's the master now, plan. I want, I, want, I want to note for, for your listeners who, who, will t- who will understand the logic of this. When Mark and I were in the meeting and there was a discussion of, oh, and this, this is the back way. There's the back door. You know, there's there's always a back door, right? I distinctly remember Mark saying, "Let's let's tell everybody that there's these murder pits and these death locations and these horrifying hot places, and that's the way to sneak into the back." And then let's have Gerard say, "No, we're not going to do that. We're going to go right through the front door." And never go back to it. Just like sidestep it. I know he was joking, but I remember at the time thinking, that could be fun because people expect it. Oh, we're going to tell you the secret way in. Yeah, I don't want to do it. No, really, it's the secret way. No, I don't want to do it. We're going to do it a different way. We're going to do it the most basic way possible as opposed to the sneaky way that's in every single story you've ever heard. Right. So the the, the key to the sneaky way is the sneaky way has to be hard, right? It just can't be easy. So we... As as we'll get to, we set up a, a couple really hard things to deal with, which we'll get to. Um, okay, so there's there's one other piece that's going on here. Um, we're talking about the third act. Is okay. This is only part one of a three part story, right? So the idea was each year would take place on a different plane. That's how magic did its blocks. And so wrath was just about this year. This year took place on wrath. Act two was going to take place on Rakadia. Act three in our original story was going to go back to Dominaria. It got changed a little bit. Um, so how do we get off Wrath, right? And that one of the things that we did was the ship originally had the ability to travel between planes. But when it gets attacked by the Predator, it breaks and it can't do that anymore. Um, and part of this is... In good storytelling, you want to throw a lot of problems at your at your at your characters so they have multiple problems to solve. So not only do they have to go rescue Sisse and Tongarth and Karn, uh, oh, they also have to rescue one more person. So Stark of Wrath, who is another card right. in the set, by the way. Um, Stark is this shady character who used to work for Volrath, but Volrath kidnapped his daughter, uh, Takara. And so Stark says, I'm willing to help you. But the cost for me is not only do you have to rescue Sisse, you have to rescue my daughter Takara. Um, and so that's an important we, part. At this point, we didn't feel like we had enough complications to deal with. So let's let's make another one. <laughs> well, I mean, you, I, it's a good storytelling. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of pieces to it. Um, let's, let's face it. This could have been called <laughs> Tempest 
the soap opera because that's what we were building. We were built. Everybody's got a story arc. Everybody's arcs lap over with everybody else's, so that you have this constant motion of characters. Yes, yes. Well, of course, that's uh, um, that that's the way you want to be. You want to have a lot going on. So all the characters have character arcs. Like Michael and I spent a lot of time. By the way, we took every single character and said, okay. You know, for example, what is Orm up to? Orm, Orm is another card in the set. What is Orm up to? She's the healer. She's sort of the doctor uh, of the crew. Um, what is her arc? Where do we? What does she start? Where does she go? What does Stark do? Where does Stark go? Where does Gerard? Like every character, we figured out what's going on with the character. Now, some characters have bigger roles in different parts of the story. Orm, for example, has a ironically a smaller role in the first part of the story even though she gets a card and then the second part of the story she has a major play and she doesn't have a card there so i'm not quite sure why, why that played out that way but so we would we would write all this on the board what does yeah. this character want how does this character get it and so and that was for the bad guys too you know Grevin, how come i'm ugly i don't understand why am i ugly? no i'm i'm kidding mark isn't even smiling at me we're talking together he's not even smiling Grevin, why am i ugly oh i'm a bad guy so resolved <laughs> I, I, okay, so, um, sorry. <laughs> you heard him almost be defensive there, folks. He almost wanted to say, I know humor, Mike. That's not funny. Uh, so, so anyway, anyway but, everybody had an arc. Everybody had an arc. Everybody had an arc. So I'm realizing something. Uh, I'm about to get to my desk here. I'm almost, I'm almost to work. So, Michael, oh my gosh. can Look I... all the theory we passed. I know. So can I, can, can, can I call you in, in the next... In the next uh, Next show, so we can continue the story? Yes, we can continue later on. You know, could you just drop me off right up here? <laughs> right there? Just pull, don't, ignore those police. They don't so when, when, when we, so to wrap up for this, this thing, our heroes have decided on a plan. They're going to go uh, uh, sneak into the castle. They're going to send Urte to go work on the portal. We'll talk more about that next time. And um, the elves are going to attack up front. That's the plan. What could possibly go wrong? Almost nothing. Almost nothing. So you me on, Mark. That's fun. <laughs> okay, guys. So I see my desk here. So we all know what that means. Means this is uh, the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So I will see you next time along with Michael. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. And uh, join us next time and we'll talk about the rest of the story from Tempest. Bye-bye, guys.